What's up, y'all? Welcome into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Dimling here with y'all. As always, back after a little hiatus, and you know, as we start getting <clears throat> into December, January preseason, uh, the podcast will start ramping back up again. Uh, and obviously, you know, during the season, we'll do two times a week. Uh, preseason, I'm kind of going to aim for maybe one a week um, over the next few months, but uh, we're back in uh, full throttle here. In the podcast realm, um, on today's show, mailbag exclusively, uh, which I think last year when I <clears throat> kind of relaunched the podcast, I'd said, you no know, Sunday's mailbag. So, going to do mailbag today, um, here on Sunday, November 14th, when I'm recording this, do a Sunday mailbag episode here, um. Might not have another episode out for the next few weeks, uh, but certainly once December hits, we'll be going weekly, um, <clears throat> and we'll do, you know, whatever, talk about some other stuff, and then mailbag on the back end, and that'll kind of be the, how we go until that first week of the season hits. So, on the front end here, just want to, you know, give some kind of overview of what's going on. On lacrossebucket.com at the moment, um, we had National Signing Day, um, really signing week, if you will. Um, signing period opened on Wednesday. Not too many surprises there, um, as usual, in lacrosse. Um, but do have a lot of content on the site. With that, um, 2022 commitment list is now... Uh, we're still updating it as still being updated with guys who've signed, but uh, for the most part, I think I've pretty much got everybody marked off as signed who has signed. Um, <clears throat> I know there's a couple that I just got that I need to put in there after we've recorded this, but uh, for the most part, that's pretty accurate or as accurate as I, you know, I always say that list is probably 95% accurate. Um, you know, it's hard to be 100%, but, it, you know, 95, 96% accurate, that list is, and that's certainly true with guys, uh, you know, marked off as signed as well. Um, two articles up pertaining to National Signing Day, that kind of a what, a, what to know type article up, we'll look at a bunch of different storylines, um, that came up on Tuesday, and then on Thursday uh, did one, just five sneaky good classes uh, where in the cycle I look at Colgate, Loyola, Mount St. Mary's, Towson, and Villanova. Uh, five good classes there that maybe, you know, not everyone's talking about that, you know, isn't Maryland and Duke and Virginia. Um, so we got that up there as well. And then also, you know, schedule release season. Um, you know, fall ball's pretty much over with at this point, and uh, schedule release season is in full throttle. Uh, Denver being the most notable program that has released their schedule thus far, uh, doing so on Thursday, 
<clears throat> and um, this is a really good schedule. Like, this is a really tough one. Um, you start at Utah. You obviously got your Air Force game as usual. You're at Duke. You're at North Carolina um, in mid-February and then back at North Carolina in, uh, against the Tar Heels to open your March slate. And then right after that, you are hosting Yale. And then you go at Ohio State. And then you host Towson. And then to start April, you host Georgetown. Uh, that is one heck of a stretch. Carolina, Yale, Ohio State, Towson, Georgetown. That is one heck of a five-week stretch. And then you can even roll that into a six-week stretch. You got Villanova the week after that. So uh, not an easy schedule as usual for the Pirates. Uh, Got a full schedule preview up on the website for Denver, which they were the eighth team to announce their schedule. Um, Sacred Heart, Marist, Jacksonville, VMI, Towson, Princeton have all released their schedules as well. Um, Princeton was a bit, you know, a few weeks ago. Um, it was a pretty tough one as well. You got Maryland, Georgetown, you know, your rivalry game with Rutgers, and then obviously the Ivy League schedule um, is a gauntlet as usual. Princeton and Penn. Oh, Princeton opens with Penn and Ivy League play. Then you got Yale, Brown, Harvard, Cornell to end the season. You got Dartmouth in there as well in the middle there. Um, Two interesting non-conference games right in the middle of Ivy League play against Marist and Boston U. Those kind of interesting games there. Um, But uh, obviously, non-conference-wise, Maryland and Georgetown being the two most notable non-conference games there for the Tigers as uh, the Ivy League is back. It's exciting. Uh, after a year off, those guys finally, finally get a chance to get on the field and play. And as I mentioned, we have schedule previews for all of those teams on the website. Uh, we have previews coming out for every single team in the country. Um, I have I've got some questions of like how many do you have left? In our- so I will tell you we have 13 left, 13 teams left um, after Monday's article comes out, which is an LIU preview. So LIU and then we have 13 left after that. So we're on the back end of this thing, uh, previewing all 73 teams, uh, Division One teams in the country. And just refresher, Hartford not playing in the America East this year. Uh, they've, or is it resigned from America East play? They're dropping to Division Three in a few years. Had a lot of guys transfer out, so uh, they will not be playing. So therefore, um, I I think that there's like a there's like a way they said they're gonna try to play some 
like regional scrimmages or whatever for the guys that are still there. I don't know how many guys they still have on the roster. Um, it's, it's it's a horrible situation for the players up there. You know, really feel uh, for those guys um, and for that coaching staff up there at Hartford. So uh, that's why we have 73 teams once again. Um, and remember, uh, Furman dropped their program following 2020. Uh, so uh, in the span of a year, I guess, we've had two D1 teams drop out uh, of competition. So, you know, we want to see growth, but, uh, you know, unfortunately, and this has always been true with lacrosse, is you have growth and you have attrition. And uh, unfortunately, recently we've seen uh, more of the attrition than we have seen the growth. All right. Let's take a quick break, and we will be back on the other side with our mailbag. So, first off, thanks to everyone who sent in uh, questions. You know, it means a lot um, that, you know, we have people not only listening to this show, but also engaging in a certain manner, um, so let's get into these questions here. I've got basically five. Well, I got five questions that I've picked from emails that I've gotten. Uh, one is more of those like three questions within it. So we'll do kind of rapid fire with that one, I guess. Um, first question up here. How do you think the A-Sun will shake out and where would you rank them amongst mid-major conferences? So the Atlantic Sun is, I guess, you, you, you could say re, re-instituting lacrosse. Um, because if you remember, back in, what would that have been, 2015, I believe, 2014, 13, somewhere in there, um, the A-Sun did have lacrosse, and uh, Richmond won that conference um, there. And then many of those teams, you know, joined in the SOCON. I think all of them did, um, joined in the SOCON. And you had that deal where the ASUN has women's lacrosse and the SOCON has men's lacrosse. And that's how it was. Um, well, now the ASUN is at, has added lacrosse back. They took Air Force and Bellerman from the SOCON. Bellerman is an ASUN member now in everything with the move to Division One in all athletics. And then the ASUN has also taken Cleveland State, Detroit Mercy, Robert Morris, and Utah. Utah, Cleveland State were independents. RMU was an independent last year after leaving the NEC. And Detroit Mercy comes over from the MAC. Interesting conference that it is there. And also, I will add Jacksonville. Jacksonville is a A-Sun member in everything but lacrosse. They stayed in the SOCON as part of the deal to make sure that they each have six teams, each have that NCAA auto bid. So, a new conference coming in. College lacrosse this year. Um, I'm going to answer the second part of this question first, which 
says, you know, where would I rank them amongst mid-major conferences? And I, I think that question is a good question, by the way, but I, I think that's a bit more, um, like, I don't think you can rank, obviously, the ACC, the Big Ten, the Ivy League, and the Patriot League, I would say, are probably the top four conferences in the country. And then below that, it's like, okay, which one is better, the America East, the CAA? Or those next two, and it kind of flip flops from year to year, of you know who's where. Um, I think the A Sun, I think you rank them kind of at the bottom with the NEC and the MAC. To be honest with you, um, I would say that they're probably, you know. I don't think they're, they're on par with the SoCon because of Richmond and Jacksonville and High Point. Um, Air Force does give the A-Sun, um, you know, a good amount of clout, whatever you want to call it. Utah is a Pac-12 member. RMU has had some success. Um... Detroit Mercy has had some success. Bellarmine has been at the postseason. You know, Cleveland State has had a, they've had one good year. I, I guess you could say really good year, um, winning season in their what six years of play now. So it, it, it's a very it's a it, it's a hodgepodge conference, I would say, at the moment. Um, so I would probably at the moment put them. Probably last. Now, I think certainly as the season plays out, I think they could be better than. Um, they 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 could show themselves to be better than a conference like the MAC, maybe top to bottom, uh, more competitive top to bottom, and same with the NEC. But really. Uh, you know, when, when you get to some of those lower conferences, I don't think there's there's really not that much of a difference. So, so it's very hard to rank uh, conferences. But at the moment, I would probably say they're the worst conference in the in the country. Now, that's subjective, and that could very much change um, as the season goes on. As I said, um, you know, the SoCon, the NEC, the MAC have been the lowest conferences really. Uh, you know, in recent, you know, college lacrosse history, and I think the A Sun is just, just adds to that, you know, lower level, uh, mid major, college lacrosse landscape. So, uh, very well. The the within that mixture, I, you know, I'd put them at the bottom right now. But again, like, it's very hard to rank conferences coming into a season. Um, it's very easy. It's much easier to do so at the end of a season. Uh, per se, and especially coming into a season after last year, because we had the MAC play conference only, the Patriot League did uh, conference heavy, the NEC, some teams played non-con, some teams didn't, so, you know, know, the SOCON played normally, as everyone should have, Um, so it's very... Very difficult to to gauge that at this moment. Now, 
How do I think the A-Sun will shake out? I said I, th- I think Air Force, uh, the Falcons are probably the best setup um, to be the top dogs from the get-go. Um, I think Utah is very close behind them, as well as Robert Morris. I would probably put Bellarmine as that next team there. So if we're talking about what's the conference tournament going to look like, I, you know, if I'm saying it from you know, right now, here in November, Air Force, Utah, RMU, Bellarmine, I would say are the top four. Detroit Mercy, Cleveland State, I'd put as five and six. Now, look, I don't think there's that much of a gap between Detroit Mercy and Bellarmine and Cleveland State and Bellarmine, to be uh, honest with you as well. So, uh, you know, and then also, like, you also have to add in the fact Utah and RMU both have new head coaches. RMU loses a good bit of talent. Has the gap between a Bellarmine, a Cleveland State, a Detroit Mercy, and RMU, has that closed? Has that shrunk? The gap was never that big to begin with. Has that shrunk? So, you know, I I definitely think Air Force, Utah, I'd put as the top two. RMU number three, I think are the clear top three. And I think those next three, I'd say Bellarmine's the best out of that bunch. But hey, it could easily... Uh, we could easily see Detroit Mercy um, hopping up in there, Cleveland State hopping up in there as well. So, But right now, Air Force, Utah, RMU, Bellarmine is what I'm, you know, what I'm betting on is going to be the ASUN Conference Tournament in 2022. Second question here, Notre Dame. Can they win the ACC championship weekend? Contenders, does Corgan get his first title? Okay, that last part, I don't know. I don't know if at this moment I'd put Notre Dame as the best team in the ACC. They're certainly going to be a good team. Like, they're going to be really good. Um, When you look at all they return, Pat Kavanaugh, obviously the most notable member there. Um... You know, my biggest question for them, and then obviously, um, you know, Griffin Westland, Eric Dobson, um, Quinn McCann, I, I think that midfield's going to be very, very good again. Um, I don't exactly know how many fifth years are coming back uh, for the Irish. I don't have that in front of me at the moment, but, um, you know, I do know they do lose some very very talented players, um, especially concerning at, you know, the face-off dot with uh, Gallagher leaving. Kyle Gallagher and Charles Leonard. Um, So, you know, what's that face-off dot going to look like? And then you also lose some pieces on the back end as well. However, uh, they do pick up they do pick up some pieces on the back end uh Jason Reynolds and then you also pick up um 
Oh, you return, Rosberg Master, uh, there. And then I guess Arden Cohen could return. I don't, I'm not 100% on that. I don't have the list of returnees up in front of me at the moment. Um, but, you know, losing Kielty, losing Kyle Thornton uh, is definitely big for them. So, uh, like, while Notre Dame does have some losses, I think Corrigan's done a good job getting a guy like Jason Reynolds in there and then some of the other uh, additions that they've added through the portal. Um, I think they've been very good in that going and getting some of those guys to really uh, address their needs. Um, and even if they're not like, you know, the top two players that you would think Notre Dame's going to go get them, um, as they did you know, a year ago, um, still I think a lot of these guys can make a difference. Mike Hawkins uh, comes in as a, as a grad transfer from Colgate. Uh, to the Irish, so helping out that offense there. Um, it, it's going to be a good Notre Dame team. I think there's certainly championship uh, weekend potential, but um, at, at the moment, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. If you're asking me, which of these ACC teams is going to win the national title, they wouldn't be my first pick. Um, I would go Virginia number one. And then I would probably not number two. So, you know, Virginia one. I think probably Duke two and Carolina. Duke two, Notre Dame three, Carolina four, Syracuse five. So, um, you know, Notre Dame certainly the ACC. Anything's freaking possible in that conference. Um, they could win the ACC. They could make championship weekend. Corrigan could get his first title. Um, but I, I I just don't see that happening this year. I think if there ever was a time for the Irish, like, I can't remember who said it last year. They said, you know, if Notre Dame can't win a title with this team, I doubt that they ever will. Now, I, I'm not going to go out on a limb and say, Notre Dame is never going to win a title. I think there's certainly a, you know, mount of evidence to say, like, look, they're the next team that's going to win it for the first time. They've been so close in the past. And, hey, uh, you might be like, could do it in 2022. But for for, for me, I, I just don't see it. Um, you know, I can see them winning the ACC, certainly, certainly. Um, but as, as far as national championship. I, I just don't see that at this point. Um, third question here. Michigan showed, uh, reading the question here, Michigan showed a lot of promise last season. Do you think that was a fluke due to scheduling, or can they build on that in 2022? Well, they can certainly build on that. Uh, they went 3-9, and nine, and look, Three and nine is not good. Like, let's like let, let, let's not pretend three and nine's a good schedule. However, a good record. However, three and nine playing in all playing in all Big Ten schedule. Where and I'm pulling up Michigan's schedule here real quick. Where you lose to Ohio State by three. 
and then go and lose to Penn State by one and Rutgers by one. Rutgers, an NCAA tournament team, Rutgers by one. That's not that's not horrific. Like it's not like the Michigans we've seen in the past where can't even compete with the Big Ten. You'll have one like really close game. And maybe you'll play Ohio State close as a rival. But the rest of it is kind of like, eh, we're just not good enough yet. Michigan's certainly good enough to compete in the Big Ten. And I do think, you know, with schedule normalcy, I want to see how they do in non-conference. And I want to see their schedule. I want to see how tough do they schedule non-conference. If they have a tough non-conference schedule and they can compete against that, I think that's going to say a lot about Michigan. You know, last year, they, you know, you beat Penn State on your first try. Okay, it was your second try that you beat Hopkins. They didn't beat Ohio State either time. Didn't beat Maryland either time. You almost beat Rutgers that second time. Oh, excuse me, they did beat Ohio State. They beat Ohio State um, in, in in the final game of the season. Excuse me. But then, you know, uh, which was in the... Um, that was in the uh, uh, Big Ten tournament uh, there, where they beat uh, Ohio State in a really, really big win for them. So... Um, like, look, they can certainly build on it. Now, if you're asking me, you know, Big Ten's going back to that normal schedule, whatever. Um, actually, I think the Big Ten's going to have everybody make the tournament again from what I saw um, on the website. I could be mistaken by that, but um, actually, you know what? Let's look, 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 look this up right now. Um, Big Ten tournament lacrosse. Um, 2022. So, um, yeah, it's it's it, it's definitely. Let's see, pulling up here, it, it's definitely possible for, yeah, quarterfinals number three and four seeds. Yeah, so they're gonna do all teams again. Um, yeah. So Michigan will make that tournament once again, um, and, and we'll see if they can pull off another win like they did last season over Ohio State. Um, it, it, I, I think this year is probably the biggest year. I think, like, like, like this is the... I don't want to say it's a boomer bust year, but, like, Josh Zawada is a junior. You have all these other guys coming back around, and Michael Bowen. You have all these guys on defense as well. Ryan Schreiber, uh, Jack Whitney, who played really well as a, as a freshman last year. This is still a pretty young team, and I think they did a lot of growing up last year. So I do think they improve on what they did last season. Now, do they go in there and they beat Rutgers? Do they go in there and they beat Maryland? You know, I don't necessarily think so. I think they can compete with Ohio State. I think they could probably compete with Johns Hopkins again. Um, you know, will they be the last team in the Big Ten as we have seen them do in normal seasons prior? 
that might be the case. But, like, look, if you're the last team in the conference with two conference wins as opposed to no conference wins, that's still an upgrade from where you were. So um, I think Michigan's continuing to uh, jump forward. I think this year is a big uh, year that a lot of people are looking at Michigan and saying, okay, really, what exactly are you? Um, you know, how exactly, you know, and exactly what this question is asking. Was last year a fluke? Well, you got some of those big wins, um, and you showed us a lot of growth. Can you replicate that? Can you build upon that? I think certainly they can. Certainly they can, um, and, and we'll see exactly how far they can take that. But uh, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, be going around at at, at, at this point yelling, you know, Michigan's going to win the Big Ten. Like, no, that's they're not going to make that big of a jump. Uh, but if they do make a jump, it will be, you know, hey, we're not last in the Big Ten again, or like. You know, we're going to be the third best team is probably the highest I would go in terms of making a jump. Um, and that's only if, like, you no know, Penn State doesn't bounce back. Hopkins doesn't bounce back. Uh, Ohio State doesn't bounce back. Like, I could I could see that. And there's a lot of questions on the Big Ten because of their stupid scheduling last year. Um, you know, being scared and all um, what they did. Um, moving on to this, the last question here before we get to kind of, uh, the, we got two questions left here. So moving on to this one, uh, in your opinion, who is the most intriguing team coming into this spring? Well, the team we just talked about Michigan, I think you can make a case for, um, another one. So, so I'll, I'll go kind of, uh, I've mentioned Penn state before on this podcast and in, in writing. Mentioned Michigan just recent, just a minute ago. Um, I, you know, I would probably say, you know, th- th- there's a bunch of unique teams. Um, Quinnipiac obviously had their season cut short. I thought they probably could have won the MAC. Um, so that's an intriguing team to watch, um, and they got a lot of players back. Uh, Marist, you know, had their schedule basically just flipped upside down last year. Um, with the uh, situation where the uh, administration wouldn't let them play for like over a month, um, so that's a those are two unique ones in the MAC. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I'd say UMass is certainly another one for me, where they didn't really have the best season um, at all. Like they were expected to be the best team in the CAA, ended up not being so. Um, I think they went like five and nine or something like that last year. So, uh, you know, those are one of the teams I'm looking to bounce back. Um, you know, going back to the Big Ten, uh, Johns Hopkins is another one. Obviously, with that new coaching staff there, um, and then you could say any team in the Ivy League <laughs> if you wanted to. Um, but specifically to the question, the most intriguing team, you know, I would probably say UMass, and then probably Johns Hopkins second there and then again there's a plethora of teams you could put behind them but UMass and Johns Hopkins for me uh you know teams who I've looked at and and have kind of you know looked at a lot this fall um and I've talked to a lot of people about um as intriguing uh, those two teams right there um and, and both of those are intriguing for the you know bounce back potential after you know not so good 2021s 
this last section here, I mentioned we had one big long, uh, you know, listener who wrote uh, listener who wrote in about five questions. So, and he said, you know, answer these in rapid fire. So, uh, we're going to end on this um, percentage Virginia three peats. Eighty-five percent, I'd say. Eighty-five percent might be a little high for some people, but I, I'd say eighty-five percent because we didn't expect Virginia to win in twenty nineteen. Didn't really expect them to repeat in twenty twenty-one. It was obviously you no know, in the air that they could, but you no know, wasn't necessarily expected. Everyone's talking about Duke and Carolina in the ACC. Um, so I'd say 85%. Got a lot of questions there, but they've persevered before. I think they can do it again. 85%. Who wins the conference for the first time, St. Joseph's or Boston U? So <laughs> for those of y'all who don't know, St. Joe's has been in the NEC, to- NEC title game multiple times, has never won. Boston U has never gotten past the, um... Patriot League semifinals. They got to get over that hump. So I'd say St. Joe's. I'd say St. Joe's. And I, I do think St. Joe's can win the NEC this year uh, with, with, with as much as they have back. Um, who wins the, Who wins a game first, Siena or Lafayette? So Siena did not win a game last year. Lafayette did not win a game last year. Lafayette is on a 27-game win streak. Siena, I think, is on what an eight-nine game win, uh, losing streak. I mean, losing streak. Lafayette, twenty-seven game losing streak. Siena, it's like eight-nine games uh, now, uh, dating back to uh, twenty twenty, I believe, um, is what theirs is. Um, Lafayette dates back to twenty nineteen. So, which of those teams wins the game first? Um, so I've, I'd have to see a schedule, uh, but I'd probably say Lafayette just because of how close they came last year to winning some of those games. And now Siena played a conference-only schedule last year in the MAC, and they only, they only lost by like – they went 0-8, and they lost by an average of two goals. So like not bad at all. And – and Lafayette, I think they lost their games by an average of like 2.5 goals. So neither team was like that far off, and they had some really good performances, even though um, they lost. Uh, so I think both teams can end those losing streaks. I'd probably, you no, know, Lafayette, of the two, I'd probably say Lafayette first, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was the other way around. And this question here um, kind of coincides with the one that I just answered a minute ago about intriguing teams. The team most poised to bounce back. Um, team most poised to bounce back in 2022. Um, I would have to say... I would probably, you know, lean on the side of if you're talking about bounce back, like it's teams that 
you know, didn't exceed expectations last year. Some people, you know, look at it and say, oh, teams that didn't win a game, you know, whatever. You know, teams to bounce back, I would probably say, oh, that's a tough one. Because there's so many you could pick, as I just mentioned a few minutes ago. Um, I, I mean, I'll go Johns Hopkins. I'll go Johns Hopkins there. Johns Hopkins. Like, you could say Towson again, but, like, they did bounce back in essence last year to an extent. So, um, I'll go Johns Hopkins with, with, with that one. Uh, Johns Hopkins bounced back in 2022. That is all for today's episode. As always, you can uh, connect with us on social media, at Bucket on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. LacrosseBucket.com is the website where it's always lacrosse season. Again, I'll see y'all soon. Uh, hop back on and, you know, sooner rather than later. And uh, come December, we're going to be cranking out these podcasts um, back to kind of normal in-season mode, if you will. Again, thanks for listening. Have a great week.